Success with short narratives. That's our current goal. We found Lester Dent's plot formula. We're creatives, so we can adapt that formula to fit our genre needs. We know the four parts are the four movements that our narrative will have, whether we're writing fiction, poetry, or nonfiction. What's next? The details, man. It's all in the details of the narrative, of course. Welcome to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Writers, Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, drive a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Our last episode was the introduction to Lester Dent's plot formula, with its four parts or movements to reach the length of a short narrative. We talked about the relatable lengths of short stories, narrative poems, and nonfiction anecdotes. We connected the plot formula to Paul Simon's America because poetry's compact length makes it an excellent example for discussion. In this episode, our example will be Garth Brooks' The Thunder Rolls. We've moved from folk pop to mega country. I'm not much for country or opera or current popular songs, so my apologies in advance when I pick a genre you despise. Best to keep an eclectic mind. We connect to everything, and we learn from everything, even things we hate. Since this is June, let's have a check-in. Remy Black is finishing her fantasy novella trilogy, Spells of Earth. She set herself a challenge with that trilogy. The entire series focuses on elemental power against sorcery, not wizardry against sorcery. How fire and water and air can be scary powerful is easy to see. Not so with Earth. Remy had a mental block, so she created a character with that same mental block and has struggled to open her own mind and her character's mind about the dangers of elemental Earth power. The final novella in the trilogy is Mist of Sorcery. The trilogy is bundled as Spells of Earth. Edie Runes and M.A. Lee continue their collaboration with fusing the Robin Hood legends and the fairies of British myth. Look for more stories and novellas in the Wild Sherwood series as summer progresses. They started with a short story anthology, Into Wild Sherwood, that published at the end of April. Now let's focus on the details of Lester Dent's plot formula. Remember, a 6,000-word short story is divided into four parts or movements of 1,500 words. For the concise, precise world of poetry, the four parts relate to stanzas. In nonfiction, we have an abbreviated paragraph in an anecdote. Each of the four parts begins with trouble. Part 1, First Direction, says, In the first line, are as near thereto as possible. And these are less for dense words. Introduce the hero and swat him with a fistful of trouble. Hint at a mystery, a menace, or a problem to be solved. Something the hero has to cope with. Now, instead of hero, we say persona, or protagonist, Our main character, instead of a mystery or a menace, even in literary fiction, we have a problem or a conflict. So we're starting with whatever troubles our main character. In part two, our first job, according to Lester Dent, 
shovel more grief onto the hero. So make things worse. Third part, direction number one, shovel the grief onto the hero even more. And in the final fourth part, Lester Dent's words to us are, guess what? Shovel the difficulties more thickly upon the hero. The end of each part has conflict and an unexpected or ironic twist. Part one has two directions for us. The hero's endeavors land him in an actual physical conflict near the end of the first 1,500 words. Now, for a mystery, this may be the finding of the body or the loss of the jewels. In literary fiction, this may be the first realization of an internal conflict or the world is not working well for our protagonist. The second direction, the second thing to do before you end that first 1,500 words is have a complete surprise twist in the plot development. In part two, our two things to do at the very end is have another physical conflict or another internal conflict and have a surprising plot twist to end the 1,500 words. The job of plot twists is to keep the reader interested in going forward because if our main character confronts doom, Sometimes people get turned off, but if we have a plot twist, if we surprise them, then their curiosity is piqued and they will follow along. In the third movement, we have, guess what? Another conflict, external or internal. And we also have, surprise, surprise, a surprising plot twist in which the hero, according to Dent, preferably gets it in the neck bad to end that set, third set of 1,500 words. And then, in the fourth one, we have three directions that he gives us. Of the mysteries that are remaining, one big one has been held to over to this point to help grip interest. Those mysteries are all cleared up in the course of a final conflict as our main character takes the situation in hand. The only word that I changed of Lester Dent's there was changing hero to main character. Then he wants us to... Quote, have a final twist, a big surprise. And he says, these examples for this are, this can be the villain turning out to be the unexpected person, or having the treasure be a dud, or etc. Things of that sort. Then the last thing is to have a snapper, a punchline to end the story. And he wants the punchline to have enough to leave the reader with a, his words, warm feeling. The conflict builds suspense and keeps the readers moving into the next part. The final conflict delivers the prize for the reader. In literary fiction, in tragedy, the conflict overcomes our main character. In all other fiction, our main character solves or resolves the conflict through his own or her own or their own skills and actions. Never have coincidence rescue main characters. While coincidence or supernatural intervention or the gods or fate can resolve ancient myths. Our modern readers want to see the main character handle the conflict, whether it's external or internal. The last part, in addition to the conflict resolution and the big surprising twist, is also that snapper or punchline, which is extremely important. It's key for the reader. First lines and first pages sell stories. The last pages especially the last line, turn readers to our other stories, satisfy the readers, 
and sell more of our writing. How does the narrative poem, The Thunder Rolls by Garth Brooks, present these four parts of trouble, conflict, and twist? It's a song, so it's a poem. That means each stanza is going to be a different part or movement. How does a song follow a short story formula? Remember, poetry is a compact, concise form of communication. It's harder to write than any other type of writing because so much is packed into such a brief form, unless we're listening to Don McLean's American Pie or Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Wait, even long. Those are tightly written, precise stories. Novels in story form, one could say, not short stories in song form. Let's look at the first stanza of Garth Brooks' The Thunder Rose. 3.30 in the morning, not a soul in sight. The city's looking like a ghost town on a moonless summer night. Raindrops on the windshield. There's a storm moving in. He's heading back from somewhere that he never should have been. And the thunder rolls, and the thunder rolls. First thing I notice is alliteration. First line, 3.30, T-H. Then the S's, not a soul in sight, soul sight. Then we have a moon, moonless summer night, no moon, as if the moon can't look at his betrayal. The raindrops on the windshield are like tears, the tears for his betrayal. We have a hint of metaphorical trouble with the word the city's looking like a ghost town. Brooks actually starts the trouble in the first line. 3.30 in the morning, not a soul in sight. The city's looking like a ghost town. Then we have metaphorical trouble smack in the middle of that stanza. There's a storm moving in. Storm for trouble. Whoa. Then we have the twist that sets up opening trouble in the next scene. He's heading back from somewhere that he never should have been. Second stanza. Every light is burning in a house across town. She's pacing by the telephone in her faded flannel gown, asking for a miracle and hoping she's not right, praying it's the weather that has kept him out all night. And the thunder rolls, and the thunder rolls. From the first stanza, we assume our main character is the traitor husband. Yet from the second stanza on, we learn our main character is the betrayed wife. This is a rather interesting way to begin. The audience's realization of his cheating heart is a much more interesting beginning than her and her flannel gown. It snares our salacious, gossiping appetite. The emotional impact, however, is strongest with the loving, worried wife whose fears of his unfaithfulness will be realized. After the first stanza, we, the audience, sit in smug, dramatic irony, watching the tragedy unfold. A couple of writing notes in this second stanza. We have a repetition of metaphorical trouble in the first stanza. It was a storm moving in. Now we have burning lights, burning, because everything's he's burned everything down through his betrayal. We have more alliteration, her faded flannel gown, and we have parallelism, hoping she's not right, praying it's the weather, asking for a miracle, asking, hoping, praying. Again, the stanza starts with trouble. Every light is burning. She's pacing by the telephone, waiting for him to call, asking for a miracle and hoping she's not right. And we're going to have a dramatic drop. First she has relief when he'll return, and then she's going to sink smack down into the basement of betrayal. Our twist, 
is that she's hoping she's not right with what's kept him out all night and that trouble aspect. The third part, or the movement, in this song is the chorus, and we first get the chorus after the second stanza. The thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sleepless night. As the storm blows on out of control, deep in her heart, the thunder rolls. We open with metaphors for the trouble he's caused. Thunder rolls, lightning strikes, a love growing cold, sleepless nights. And then we have that wonderful line that presents our trouble. Another love grows cold. We have our twist deep in her heart because it's truly her dilemma, not his, as we first thought. This confirms that it is her song, her ballad of love and betrayal. And the thunder rolls with the trouble that's to come. We hear thunder and thunder and more thunder rumbling in the distance, growing closer. Then lightning strikes as the storm rolls over us. The third stanza is actually the fourth when we count the chorus. So we have reached the fourth part of our story narrative. First four lines in this last stanza. She's waiting by the window when he pulls into the drive. She rushes out to hold him, thankful he's alive. Nothing seems like trouble here. We anticipate it. And there's that dramatic irony again. She's so relieved. We, the audience, know what the character does not yet know. And we anticipate what's to come. Suspense and tension are cranking up. And the next three lines of that stanza say, But on the wind and rain, a strange new perfume blows. Whoa! and the lightning flashes in her eyes. Oopsie is an understatement here, and she is directly associated with the storm when they say lightning flashes in her eyes. The final twist in extreme trouble has now arrived. We have the last line, the last new line of the stanza, and he knows that she knows. Whoa, and the thunder rolls and the thunder rolls. And the chorus is simply a repetition. The thunder rolls and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sleepless night. As the storm blows on out of control, deep in her heart the thunder rolls. That reference to ghost town in stanza one, the city looking like a ghost town. Now it's prophetic. It's a clue to what's not in this tragic poem. I have a feeling he's going to be greatly destructed before this night is over. The Thunder Rose is an excellent examination of Lester Dent's plot formula. Betrayal is an age-old conflict. Garth Brooks managed to find a fresh way to tell the story and use inference to tell us the end. That idea of riddling, leaving a great question answered only with a hint, is a tricky method of ending any story. This tricky method occurs more often in poetry, in songs, than in fiction. Unanswered questions can bite the writer, so I use it sparingly. For 30 years, with every reading of Frank Norris's The Lady or the Tiger, many of my students became angry at that unended ending. Rarely use this method in nonfiction. The whole point of nonfiction is problem and solution, cause and consequence. Leave the ending unended only if the article itself has no solution, merely more questions. Wow, this seemed like a simple episode, but we have a lot of good points in it. 
Check the show notes for a good link to Lester Dent's plot formula and a link to Garth Brooks' lyrics. Next week, still more detail about each of the four parts, and we haven't even talked about his explanatory information of things to know before you ever start writing. We have to fill in everything from the starting trouble to the conflict that ends each part. How do we do that? Carly Simon has a narrative poem that will provide us with some clues. Inspiration for this week comes from Joyce Carey. She writes, I do not write and never have written to an arranged plot. The book is composed at once like a picture and may start anywhere in the middle or at the end. I may go from the end to the beginning in the same day and then from the beginning to the middle. You know what? I would say that puzzle method is how most poets work. The key inspiring moment. Back up. Go forward, jump to end, jump to opening, settle in the middle, then do it all over again. The puzzle method, rather than plotting and pastoring. I sometimes think when I start writing, I have the full story in my head. I just don't have the specifics. And that's what she's talking about. You have the story. You know the arc, but you don't know the specifics. We can use the puzzle method. We can plot. We can pastor. We're our own creative. Enjoy your writing this week. Thanks for listening to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Remy Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at linkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.